This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller, here today with Kamel King. As we do every Friday, we'll be traveling across the state letting you know about places and events that make Mississippi great. On today's show, we start our trip in Bay St. Louis for Dolly Should. Then we'll head to Starkville to learn more about the MLK Day of Service. Next, we're on to Holly Springs for the 11th annual Winter Bird Count. And we'll end the show with musical guest blues musician Bill Abel. So hold on tight because we're going for a ride here on Next Stop Mississippi. We'll be right back after the news. Listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with Mississippi Today, joined by my friend of Visit Mississippi, Kamel King. Uh, glad to be here with you on this chilly morning. I know, right? Kamel and I are in shock. <laughs> I know our friends in North Mississippi are really cold today. Right, right. Uh, but it's Mississippi. You know, you um, don't like the weather. You wait 30 minutes, and it's going to be something else. All four seasons in one day. <laughs> That's I mean, right. yesterday I had on a short sleeve shirt, and it's like a winter wonderland outside today. No, no kidding, Kamel. That's the truth. But but hey, that's not going to stop good, fun things from happening all across the state. And that's what we're here to talk about this morning. Every Friday, we come to you and tell you about the great places, the great events, and uh, just the great people around Mississippi that are doing wonderful things in arts and culture and community life. And we've got a great show for you today. We're going to go down to the Gulf Coast and hear about a really creative celebration of my favorite, Dolly Parton. Uh, we'll be up in uh, North Mississippi talking about our wonderful natural uh resources, our outdoor tourism, and then uh, celebrating Martin Luther King Day, which is coming up on Monday, yes. hearing about a day of service in Starkville, and uh, wrap up the day, of course, as always, with our a musical segment. We've got uh, the great blues musician Bill Abel on the show with us today, so I'm especially excited about that. I'm pumped. So, Camille, we're talking about blues, we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but uh, Visit Mississippi, along with the Mississippi Grammy Museum, you guys have a special project uh, upcoming later this month. Yes, indeed. A wonderful, wonderful celebration. January 21st will be Mississippi Grammy Night at the Mississippi Grammy Museum. Wow. Yeah. This is a first, huh? Big, big deal. You know, uh, the Grammy Museum has only been open in Mississippi a couple of years, and most uh, every year there has been a Grammy Night for Mississippi at the L.A. Grammy Museum on Olympic Boulevard in Los Angeles. And it is dedicated to Mississippi, and we all go out there. And, of course, you've been a part of it, uh, being a part of Visit Mississippi. You know how fun fun it is. And now with the Grammys moving to New York City this this year, uh, it is a great opportunity to celebrate our award winners and nominees right here at home at our the only other Grammy Museum in the world outside of L.A. in Cleveland, Mississippi. Well, I'm really pumped that you're doing this Mississippi Grammy celebration in Mississippi, particularly at our Grammy Museum, Mississippi. But why are they moving the Grammys to New York? What's up with that? I think, it, you know, it's just paying homage to uh, what New York City has, you know, given to the Grammys. And, and you know, I think it's a good flavor. I, I think it's a good mix-up, and I applaud them for doing it. I mean, because, you know, if you're going to take the two uh, bookmarks of America as it relates to entertainment outside of Mississippi, then, you know, New York and L.A. would be the obvious choices. That's right. West Coast, East Coast. There you go. There you go. Right. All right, Camille. So uh, you guys are bringing in a lot of great Mississippi musicians to perform at the Mississippi Grammy performance, uh, Grammy celebration. 
station. And uh, you're going to give away a couple of tickets today. We are. We are giving away two tickets. Now, these tickets are worth $100 a piece. It's going to include the performances uh, of great Mississippians. I mean, from Charday Thomas on down. Cool. It's going to be great. Uh, it's all going to also going to include food and libations. So, I mean, it's going to be a wonderful night. It's something that every Mississippian should come and enjoy. And there's limited seating. Uh, it's only 120-some-odd seats wow. in the theater. So these are very tickets. precious tickets. Am I uh, excluded from this lottery because uh, we're co-hosting the show together? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I get it. That's okay with me. All right, Camille, we've got a trivia question for our listeners. They can call in at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four to answer this trivia question and win two tickets to Grammy night in Mississippi. So, uh, Kamel, drum roll. Boom, 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 boom. Tell us the trivia question. The trivia question is, now, if you win these tickets, you must go. Be, uh, you, these are not physical tickets. You will get them at will call when you show up. But we want you to go to this. These are $100 tickets, very precious. But the trivia question is, in 2017, there were three uh, Mississippians who were nominees for the uh, traditional blues uh, album of the year. Who won? Ooh. Who? What Mississippi uh, blues artist won a Grammy for the traditional blues uh, album of the year? All right, all right. I know that there's. And what some... was the album? Ooh, double whammy. Double whammy. Okay, so uh, the name of the artist and the name of the album that won the 2017 Grammy for uh, traditional blues album. There you so, go, Mississippian. All right, folks. I'm, I'm sure the phones are going to start ringing off the hook. And while the phones are ringing, I'm going to bring uh, into the show our guest for the day or for this first segment this morning. We've got uh, Ann Madden and Sandy Maggio. They're the creative ladies behind the third annual Dolly Should. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. Well, it's great to have you ladies uh, on the show again. We had you last year to talk about this super cool celebration of all things Dolly Parton. Tell our listeners a little bit of the backstory behind this event. Go ahead, Ann. I'm in an auditorium full of kids. I'm going to let Ann talk. <laughs> all right. Well, the backstory is that, um, you know, every every month, the Old Town Merchants Association has a second Saturday where all the vendor, all the you know brick and mortar vendors in Old Town Bay, St. Louis, stay open and just do a little bit extra. So our first year at Smith and Lens, we decided in July to celebrate Frida Kahlo. So we do Frida Fest. That was such a great, wonderful turnout, and uh, that we decided in January to do the same thing for Dolly. It's her birthday coming up. July, you know, has Frida's birthday, so we're doing Dolly in January, Frida in July, and this uh, Dolly should, Sandy came up with the name because Dolly should come celebrate her birthday with us, that's what we're hoping, <laughs> and there, yes, and so uh, that's what we're, we're, you know, we're working on that, we're working on getting her down here, although there was a sighting the first year, a Dolly sighting. Really? In a blue pickup truck. Yes, in a blue true. pickup yeah. truck driving down Main Street. Now, are you sure it was Dolly, or was it one of these Dolly lookalikes that this festival has become so well known for? <laughs> well, we are we're totally sure it was her. No, we're Convinced, not completely. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Wow. Now, Sandy, you're a silversmith who designs uh, jewelry, and you use raw materials. And Anne, you're a photographer. How did you guys uh, form a relationship and start doing cool stuff like this together? Well, we were originally in, uh, our stuff was being sold at another store together. We met each other that way, but we're also neighbors. We live on the same street. So when that store decided to close, we thought, you know what, we need to do something. But we want to do something more than just a gallery. We kind of want to do a community uh, hub. We wanted to be where everybody came to and hung out. So that's what we did. Wow. Now, uh, Dolly Parton has always been a favorite of, of mine, of a lot of uh, women and, and men, too. But it seems like she's having, like, a revival. Mm -hmm. Did that really kind of play into this in any way? For sure. The first year that we did this was her 70th birthday. I mean, that is truly amazing <laughs> to me. But she is 70 years old, and she is not slowing down. Yeah. You know? But I, I, think, that, I think that she just is. One of these people, even if you're not into country music, like, she's easy to like, you know? I mean, she doesn't pretend. I, obviously, she's had some plastic surgery, but she's not pretending not to have. You know, <laughs> she I mean, owns it. She's pretty authentic. She does. Being, yeah. Yeah. 
And all generations seem to like her. Everybody loves her. So, yeah, talk about that. Uh, it seems that you've had a great response to Dolly Should. People are coming from all over to sort of uh, wear their Dolly-esque clothes, to do their hair big, and really just have a good time yeah. with uh, with friends and family. Uh, what, what's been the response from your community and from the visitors? Because we know a lot of folks uh, make Bay St. Louis a very special destination. Well, we had people great. in yesterday that are down here from Minneapolis for Dolly. Cool. Wow. How about that? That's pretty awesome. And we absolutely encourage, I mean, Sandy and I always say this costume contest or lookalike contest is not just for women. It's absolutely for men and children. And it's hilarious. And it's wonderful. And it's amazing. And there are people who plan, they start working on their costume a year before. I mean, they, they're in it to win it, these people. And it's amazing. So good. They're great. They look great. Yeah. This is like the yeah. Mardi Gras of country music. <laughs> That's good. Oh, well, that. that is awesome. <laughs> now, awesome. Uh, we have alluded to the lookalike contest, and that uh, takes place tomorrow night at 730, starting at 730 at the Mockingbird Cafe. But you have events really happening throughout the morning, throughout the afternoon. Uh, highlight a few of the, of the special elements from the weekend that you're really excited to share with folks. Well, we've got Michael Foster, who you might know, who has um, just opened a studio in Water Valley. He's coming down. He'll be shooting tintypes and amber-type portraits starting at 10 a.m. at the French Potage. The Starfish Cafe has a special menu of all of Dolly's favorite foods, you know, starting at 11 a.m. At, at 12 noon, the Baytique is having a hayride. Um, and the we have a Dolly-inspired fine art show at Smith & Lens pop up on the patio that's you know, opening at noon also. The Bay Rats Marching Battery will be playing uh, around 4 o'clock, kind of all around town. Uh, we're going to have a pop-up beauty parlor on the patio at 4. And we have, we have Vanilla Nola Dancers. Sorry? I, I'm, I'm cutting out. Nola Square Dancers. Yep, at 5 o'clock from 5 to 6. And they'll be doing, you know, community square dance and teaching. And from 5 to 7, you'll register for the Lookalike Contest in costume at Smith & Lens. At, um, at 6 o'clock, Hadley Hill starts to play at the Mockingbird stage. At 7.30, Lookalike Contest begins. And at 8.30, the Clear Branch Cloggers for Christ will come Yay. and do five songs while the judges deliberate. But the Lookalike Contest, we have celebrity judges, and we have Reba Douglas emceeing the whole thing, who is amazing, from New Orleans. And um, it's going to be really fun. Super cool. Y'all should come. Well, yeah, too much fun. Come. It's it's This is a great <laughs> celebration. And I love that uh, that this grew out of Frida Fest. I've got a lot of friends that make Frida Fest a destination every year. And uh, and Dolly should. I mean, you know what? It's it's dreary outside. It's a little, um, you know, that first of the year sort of blues. Yeah. There's nothing that can clear that up like uh, a Dolly Parton celebration. So, ladies, thanks so much for making time to be with us on the show this morning. Tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about Dolly Should. Thank you so much. There's a Facebook event. If you go to Smith & Lens on Facebook, S-M-I-T-H-A-N-D-L-E-N-S, and look up Dolly Should, you'll find it. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, Thank ladies. Uh, it's Thank time for you. us to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll head to Starkville and learn more about the MLK Day of Service. All that and more coming up next on Next Stop Mississippi. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. 
You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with Camille King, and you're listening to Bobby Rush. Yes, you know who it is. That is the the now reigning king of the blues, Bobby Rush. And that is who was the 2017 award winner for his album, Porcupine Meat. And we have a winner, Mr. Jeffrey Reed. Uh, Thank you, Jeffrey Reed. And we're going to have you uh, come to Cleveland January 21st as a guest of Visit Mississippi to enjoy Mississippi Grammy Night at the Grammy Museum. Congratulations, Jeffrey. And uh, Bobby Rush. Y'all, Bobby, Bobby Rush, Rush, the icon. That's got me in the mood. That's a great way to get uh, get things going for our next interview. We're headed over to Startville to uh, talk with Megan Franks. She is one of the organizers of the MLK Day of Service. Welcome, Megan. Thank you for having me. Well, we're uh, really excited to learn more about this uh, town and gown celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, you've come, brought a lot of people together for uh, a really special day of programming and uh, giving back. So tell us a little bit about how this program uh, got off uh, to a good start. Sure. Um, so we've been having MLK Day of Service on our campus since about 2012. Um, we started with about 50 volunteers, and now we have about 550 or more. Wow. Um, we start with a breakfast that morning at 8 a.m. at the MSU Mill and Conference Center. Um, we have about 1,000 individuals for that breakfast. Um, about half of them will go on to uh, check in to volunteer for MLK Day, and we'll disperse them to about one of 19 different service uh, opportunities within the community. Now, the volunteers, as I read, they show up and check in, uh, or or rather they pre-register and they check in, and then you give them the service projects when they check in. So the people never know exactly what they're doing until they get there. Yes, pretty much. Um, We we have a number of individuals that, you know, don't pre-register, and that's fine. Um, So we like to try to, you know, provide them with something to do. Um, Also, you know, our community partners, they usually have a plan of what they want to get done that day. So um, we don't want to overwhelm them, you know, with 50 individuals when really, that you know, they, they only need about 20. Um, and then the projects are, you know, very specific. Uh, they might be uh, doing some construction. Um, you know, they might be cleaning and organizing a daycare. Um, so we're, you know, we, we want to make sure that we do the best for our community and then also that our volunteers have a great experience as well. Uh, the people who come out for this day of service, uh, would you say they're experienced volunteers, or is this a way that people might get involved for the first time? Um, we have a little bit of both. So we have individuals that may have, you know, been volunteering since, you know, for the past five years. Um, and then we get a number of, you know, faculty, staff, or community members that, uh, you know, ask to bring their children. So, hey, I want to get my seven-year-old involved in community service, can I bring them? Absolutely. You know, we have projects that, um, you know, for our more uh, younger individuals where they can still have fun and then feel like they've made a difference as well. Now, Megan, you, you're with the Mississippi State University Office of Leadership and Community Engagement. How, um, how common is it for you to have this sort of uh, relationship or this co-op with the, the city of Starkville? Because I know you're working with uh, a lot of local groups there. We've actually been partnering with um, Volunteer Starkville uh, for the last five or so years. Um, the director there is actually a former employee of our office, which is very interesting. Um, and so anytime we do these large-scale service days, and we do a number of them uh, throughout the school year, um, it's really important for us to get connected and making sure that we're actually doing good in the community. Um, and so that's why we really value our uh, connection you know, to Starkville and then our partnership with the Volunteer Starkville, uh, the Community Volunteer Center. Now, Megan, for students who sign up to volunteer and come out and perform, are they able to get community service hours uh, with this this uh, program? Absolutely. Um, community members and our students, as well as our faculty and staff, they all receive community service hours. 
Um, and the, in April this year, we, well, every year, we do an awards banquet. And it's actually also a partnership with Walter Starkville. Um, about half of our honorees are community, and then half of our honorees are campus. So um, we work together with them uh, to just honor the volunteers for the hard work that they've done uh, throughout you know, the academic year and then the, the year as well. Well, very good. And and this day of service really isn't just local to Starkville. This is a national movement, um, I believe, uh, part of a, a national initiative to uh, celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King um, by giving back. Absolutely, yes. It's a, it's a federal holiday, and it's for us, It's we try to um, tell our volunteers it's not a day off, it's a day on. <laughs> Ah, I like yeah, that. That's right. Very cool. That's right. Well, talk a little bit about the Octibahaw County NAACP March and Rally. That'll be happening um, at one thirty on Monday, January 15th um, in Starkville. Yes, yes. one uh, thirty uh, p.m. It's actually going to be um, at the corner of Douglas L. Connor Drive and then Martin Luther King Drive. And that march is open to anyone in the community as well as campus. Great. And so you'll begin there. And, and where does the march end? Um, it it ends down, I'm actually not quite sure exactly where they end. Um, you know, they march for a couple of blocks, and they kind of turn around and march back. And then there's also a ceremony that goes along with it as well. Um, so in, um, anybody is welcome to attend. What I thought was awesome was not only do you have the uh, volunteers uh, coming out in full force doing things and you have a community breakfast where you guys all get together, uh, but even the day before on the 14th, you you have an assembly where there's a discussion on Martin Luther King's life at the uh, Trinity Presbyterian Church. Yes, sir. Uh, we started that program about three years ago um, as like the America Sunday Supper um, and so it, it gave an opportunity for our diverse uh, community groups to kind of gather and talk about the needs of our community um, and then share a meal together um, and then with the intention that they would uh, spend the next day kind of serving uh, the community as well. So. Now, Megan, uh, there is still, you know, opportunity for folks to sign up to volunteer and be be a part of the day of service. I also see that you guys are looking for um, volunteers to to host. Um, So tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about hosting, learn more about getting involved. Uh, There's a website that you can use to sign up. You go to mlkdaystartville.com, and there's a big button that says register. Um, and we are still, we can still accommodate uh, host sites as well. And so there's a link for our community agencies um, if they're still in need of volunteers. So mlkdaystartville.com. Great. Wonderful. A wonderful day to uh, celebrate and honor Dr. Martin Luther King and all that he stands for. We appreciate the good service uh, that you're doing, Megan. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we're going to take another quick break, but when we get back, we'll continue our road trip to Holly Springs, where I hear it's snowing, for the 11th annual Winter Bird Count. This is Next Stop Mississippi, and we'll be right back after the break. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller with Kamel King. And, and no, we have not moved the studio outdoors. <laughs> but I do love this. Thank you, Michelle. It's a very nice touch. If you're just tuning in, before the break, we spoke with Megan Franks about the Startville MLK Day of Service. Uh, lots of opportunity there to get involved still, so check them out. And now we're headed over to Holly Springs. We're going to talk with our friend Mitch Robinson with the Strawberry Plains Audubon Center. Welcome, Mitch. Hey, how are you guys doing? 
Well, we're doing well, and yes. we're so glad to have you on the show today. I, I know you were on MPB earlier this week on Creature Comforts, but we're really glad you can make it back to talk a little more about the 11th annual Winter Bird Count. Yes, ma'am. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, before we jump into this uh, this great uh, winter activity, um, tell us a little bit about Strawberry Plains Audubon Center. Absolutely. Well, uh, it's a perfect uh, beginning of the year topic for us because this is actually the 20th anniversary of Strawberry Plains and uh, Audubon, Mississippi, our, our Audubon State Organization. So dating back to the 1960s, uh, two sisters named Ruth and Margaret Finley uh, decided that they wanted to leave uh, their property and assets to an organization that would be able to maintain them and um, keep them uh, open for the public to enjoy and learn about the great natural bounties and resources uh, that God's benefited us with here in Mississippi. And so uh, around um, the mid-'80s, they made contact with the National Audubon Society, and after a tremendous amount of, of research and delegating uh, with different organizations, realized that Audubon was the best choice for maintaining and, and overseeing this property. And so Strawberry Plains became, at that time, um, one of the first Audubon centers in the country and uh, began uh, what is uh, Audubon, Mississippi today uh, in Mississippi. And so we are celebrating not only the 20th anniversary of Strawberry Plains in Audubon, Mississippi this year uh, in 2018, but also this is the Year of the Bird, uh, which is a partnership that is between the National Audubon Society and National Geographic and uh, over, I think, close to 100 different organizations uh, involved with both birds and wildlife conservation, uh, not just in uh, the United States, but across the world, um, celebrating uh, what is also the 100th anniversary of what is the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. And so uh, a lot to be uh, thankful for uh, in terms of birds this year, and um, so so we, we've got a lot going on both here at our center, Strawberry Plains, our sister center, the Pascagoula River Audubon Center down in Moss Point, Mississippi, as well as our Audubon Coastal Bird Stewardship Program, uh, which works with restoring and monitoring uh, shorebirds along the coast uh, there in the Gulf. Uh, well, Mitch, I'm glad you brought up Pascagoula River Audubon Center because that is uh, the first Audubon Center that I've ever visited and uh, did that last year. And just the amount of passion that it takes. I can hear the passion in your voice when you are talking about uh, Strawberry Plains and uh, just the science and everything that goes into uh, preserving property and preserving the animals there. And, and the real industry of bird watching was just amazing to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole idea of uh, what we're doing this weekend uh, with the winter bird count, you know, even my boss uh, in a joking manner says, why do we count birds in the middle of winter again? You know, particularly when it's snowing. But uh, this dates back to uh, actually 1900 uh, on Christmas Day, an ornithologist named Frank Chapman came up with an alternative to what to be, uh, used to be known as the Christmas side hunt, where um, as folks do during uh, that time of year and getting together eating lots of food, opening presents, and being jolly, look to have uh, family competitions, board games, whatever it might be. But at that time, it was common for folks to go out, split in teams, and see who could bring back the most birds, mammals, other wildlife that they could hunt. And um, at that time, there was also a large decline in many species of birds, but most of them being birds that um, were uh, those that had large plumages, uh, uh, particularly during the breeding season. And so uh, those birds, many of them were hunted close to extinction just for their feathers. Um, you know, tens of thousands of birds killed in a day uh, mm. just for uh, that many, you know, singular feathers from a bird. And so uh, Mr. Chapman realized, uh, much like our own Mississippi's uh, Fannie E. Cook that started the Museum of Natural Science there in Jackson, uh, realized that Maybe there's another way we go about this competition. And so they started what was called the Christmas Bird Count uh, back in 1900. And uh, it's a way for folks to engage uh, in your local community, to get involved in understanding your local habitats. And to date, it's the longest running what we call citizen science or community science program in the world. And uh, that data has been absolutely instrumental in uh, the scientific studies that have led to our understanding of bird populations, uh, as well as um, their influences and the impact that ha habitats have upon them uh, in the years since. And so, yeah, you're totally uh, right about the science involved and 
Um, our, tomorrow's winter bird count is a perfect example. You know, we have people coming out for this will be our 11th year. Um, and the weather is always a little different. You know, some years it's balmy, some years it's cold. And tomorrow it's, it's going to be cold, but it should be a beautiful backdrop of a, a white, uh, you know, background for us to be able to hopefully spot some of these birds that oftentimes are quite camouflaged in the kind of drab brownness of, of the wintertime. Oh, well, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Well, I just have to say, I just have to note that I'm so proud to know that the conservation movement in Mississippi has been women-led. That's just really mm-hmm. an interesting point that you make. And um, and how exciting to think about, what, we're going to have to bundle up, but we get to do that so uh, little here in Mississippi, right. uh, to get out and really see the birds. So, uh, Mitch, tell us, kind of like, walk us through what a bird count looks like. Do you divide into groups? Does everyone go out in uh, one pack? Yeah, so for uh, for this bird count, um, and, and you know, each, each is different. You know, for the Christmas bird count or another count that's evolved uh, out of the success of the Christmas bird count, in February we have what's called the Great Backyard Bird Count, which is February 16th through 19th. Uh, either of those can be done by one person in your backyard for as little as five minutes or spending the whole day out there. There's even bird counts now where they, they call them uh, armchair bird counts, where literally folks will take a cooler and, a couple of folding chairs and go pick a spot where they would like to sit outside for the day and count as many birds as they can. And it might seem uh, it, it's not that productive, but uh, every bit of, of data that we get is um, whether you're, you're able to count birds or there's an absence of birds, it's representative of um, adding to the larger database uh, that we use uh, putting into eBird, which is, is Cornell's Lab Ornithology and the National Audubon Society's partner program for being able to to uh, list these bird species and we've been including records dating back like i said all the way to uh, even the 1800s with some of our first bird counts that were done long before we had computers and that sort of technology but tomorrow's account or excuse me tomorrow's count yeah we will be splitting into groups um, the property here at strawberry plains is close to 3,000 acres and we actually have five to six different habitat types from forest and native warm season grass uh, fields to uh, wildflower meadows and uh, wetlands, um, as well as uh, some beaver impoundments and ponds. And each of those um, are habitats that support a variety of different birds. And so this is an opportunity not just for folks to get out and bird in a time of year when you might see some winter uh, migrants that we have here that are only here for the winter months. Uh, otherwise, they leave and, and either head back north or to a different locale to go and breed for the, the season. But We'll split into probably four or five groups, and uh, each of those are kind of geared toward uh, folks' um, you know, abilities with, with identification and trying to pair some uh, novice or first-time birders with some folks that have a lot more experience. And so it not only is a way for us to be able to uh, go out and document the birds on our property and compare from year to year how populations are shifting and how that can affect our land management for trying to encourage habitats that support certain species or groups of species of birds, but it's really a terrific opportunity for folks to just get a introduction into what it is to actually go out and bird. And, and it's not just the uh, Audubon Center from Stra- Strawberry Plains. You guys partner with the Memphis chapter of the Tennessee uh, Ornithological Society, the Ole Miss Birdies, and the Mississippi uh, Society. So it's a partnership oh, uh, of is, a group of be, people. Uh, you know, nothing that we do here at Strawberry Plains would be possible without these partnerships that we have. Uh, you know, we have a staff of about four folks, and uh, you know, managing 2,600 acres alone with that staff is a task in and of itself. So whether it's our big hummingbird festival that draws you know, close to 7,000 people a year in September or events like this, um, we are completely dependent upon not just volunteers, but volunteers that have expertise and the passion to be able to come out and teach others. And I think that's what makes it so unique. Uh, whether it's birding or getting out and doing any sort of hiking or naturalist activities, uh, volunteering at your local museums, whatever it might be, um, we would not be able to do this without the organizations you mentioned, like the Miss- uh, Mississippi Ornithological Society, Tennessee Ornithological Society's local chapter uh, in Memphis. Uh, we have a, a small group in Oxford that we got started a couple of years ago called Old Miss Birders as well as another group that does a lot of work with shorebirds in the Delta called Delta Windbirds. And so each of those groups is pivotal 
uh, and bringing in not only expertise, but also introducing folks that might come from a traditional hunting background or maybe a photography background and say, hey, you know, maybe I should try my hands at, at uh, birding uh, along with my, my other hobbies. And it's been a terrific way to kind of bring in audiences that otherwise may, may not have a specific interest in conservation or conservation education and really introducing them into um, just how broad and beautiful the world that it is that we're blessed with here in Mississippi. Well, it sounds like a great group of folks mm-hmm. and, and a great uh, activity you have planned tomorrow. There will be a light breakfast and then a hearty lunch uh, served for everyone there at Chili Strawberry Chili and cornbread. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would come just for that. Yep. Um, now, Mitch, it does sound like, you know, this is uh, really the the mission here is, is about birds overall. But is there a specific species you're, like, hoping you might catch a glimpse of tomorrow? I will say there is a specific species. So we do have in the winter times what they call eruptions uh, with Uh, with an eye, Uh, and these are based upon um, not like a volcanic eruption that's going to shift birds across the continent, (laughs) but uh, similarly to that, they they, they tend to uh, be um, influenced by food availability, which is obviously influenced by weather. And so one species that is always of great interest in the wintertime around here is called a red-breasted nuthatch, and like its name implies, they feed on seeds, particularly of pines, and Usually they do not migrate this far south during the winter months, but uh, during certain years uh, with the pine crop in uh, northern parts of the United States and up into Canada, um, either uh, have a late dropping or there just happens to be a lesser amount of a seed crop, they will migrate further south to come down and feed on our loblolly and slash and other types of pine pine seeds here. And so... um, you know, we never know or can anticipate when that will happen. It's not like a farmer's almanac where you can kind of plan out years in advance. But one of the beauties of things like eBird is you can literally go online right now, type in red-breasted nuthatch, and see up to date, I mean, literally by the minute, where people are spotting these things. And so they've been seen as far south as Corpus Christi, Texas, and over in Birmingham and Arkansas and Tennessee. So they're all around us, and uh, no one's reported one from Mississippi yet this year, but uh, that's the beauty of things, of these cold fronts coming through, and why folks like myself, and you can hear the incitement in my voice, is that you know we've all been meditating and, and, and doing our little prayers, hoping that maybe this cold front will push a couple down and, and we'll get to see one tomorrow, which uh, hopefully this white backdrop of snow will, will help those red breasts uh, stick out just a little bit more as they move up and down the trees uh, looking to feed. Wow, Mitch, you've really painted a beautiful mm-hmm. picture for us. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. And I would just encourage everyone, like I said, this is the 20th anniversary of Audubon, Mississippi. And so our partner center, Pascua River uh, Audubon Center in Moss Point, as well as the Coastal Bird Stewardship Program down on the coast, we're always looking for volunteers. And I guarantee every weekend of the year there's some sort of program going on at one of our centers or with the Coastal Bird Stewardship, as well as with our chapters throughout the state. So. Uh, Feel free to reach out to any of those centers, and uh, we would love to have you guys come be a part, either as a volunteer or participant in our program. Well, thank you again. Thanks, Mitch Robinson with Strawberry Plains Audubon Center. Great to hear about the 11th annual Winter Bird Count. It's time for our final break, but when we return, we'll welcome to the show blues musician Bill Abel. So don't go anywhere because you don't want to miss what's coming up on Next Stop Mississippi. This is Jim Dees, host of Thacker Mountain Radio, inviting you to join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m., where we'll feature the best in literature and music. We're inviting you to reach out and put your hands on the radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. Thacker Mountain Radio on MPB Think Radio. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. 
You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send us an email to nextstop at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Mary Margaret Miller, here today with Kamel King. We've been having a great time on the show, and you're listening to Kokomo. This is by our next guest, Bill Abel. Uh, we're going to head over to Bolivar County and welcome Bill to the show. Uh, Bill's in Duncan. Good morning, Bill. Great to uh, have you on Next Stop Mississippi today. I really appreciate you making time to join us uh, before you hit the road uh, for your show tonight at Blue Front Cafe in Bentonia. That's right, uh, tonight at uh, 7 o'clock. Well, that's great. Now, uh, you are one of this, the quintessential practitioners of Mississippi blues, and I've um, enjoyed listening to you all these years and uh, following your music and uh, what is always sort of an ever-changing development as an artist. But I, I've heard you say in interviews in the past that um, you you heard the blues before you ever really saw the blues. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that as we uh, jump off our interview. Uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, Belzona in uh it was back in the days when uh, Dr. Bill Ferris had the blues show on uh, on this radio uh, station. Uh, it was like five days a week from five until ten at night. And it was awesome to hear that as a young teenager. Uh, he also educated you, educated you about the blues, too, so it was really unique. And that kind of draws you in, you know. And then how did that kick off uh, your start in music? Because I looked at a lot of videos of you on YouTube from a, a younger guy, you know, all the way up until now being a young guy. And, you know, you've been doing this for uh, a good while. So how did it even get started? Uh, well, uh, I grew up in Belzona and I uh, knew some guys there that played. Paul Jones was one and uh, he would let me play with him. And, uh, of course, I wasn't, couldn't play back then, but they still would let you play with them. They were that nice, you know. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I tried and tried and worked at it and played behind people mostly for a number of years. And then uh, I didn't start playing my own shows until the year 2000 and uh, started doing that. So that's kind of how I got started was... Uh, meeting people that play there in my hometown. And uh, it just took a, I'm a slow learner, you know, it took years to work on it. So Now, Bill, we, we know you as a guitar player, but in those early years, were you playing guitar? I was. I was trying, you know. Uh, uh, like old Lightning Hopkins used to play some of his songs on acoustic guitar. And uh, just kept working away at it in the early days, you know. Now, Bill, we're going to play some more of your music um, throughout this interview, but uh, for our listeners out there, um, describe your your sound of blues. You know, I think so many times people think of the blues and may just think of one certain sound or one certain style of music, but uh, tell us about your particular style. Well, hopefully it's a good style, you know. (laughs) 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 Depends on the listeners. You know, uh, some people really like it, and some people don't care for it too much. But, but the kind of the style of music I play, uh, I do acoustic shows as well as electric. But when somebody asks me to come play, where it's a serious show, it's an electric show, and uh, it comes from mostly playing with Paul Jones, who played what you'd call a 
country blues or delta blues, uh, but it's on the electric guitar. So you play with your thumb and your fingers, and uh, he played aggressively. So I felt like it was okay for me to do that. I mean, it gave me uh, somewhere to aspire to musically and uh, back then. And so it's a, a, a fast electric delta blues, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm going to ask a question that I'm sure all of your fans who have ever watched you perform want to know, and that's when did you start growing that illustrious beard, and is it its own personality? (laughs) Uh, When when I got tired of shaving. (laughs) Fair enough. I know. It's a good good beard. (laughs) Late 20s, I got tired of shaving. There you go. Now, Bill, we're gonna uh, take a we're gonna go into a bit of a music segment and play uh, preaching blues. But when we get back, we'd like for you to uh, share with us a little bit about this tune. Okay. This morning, blues walking just like a man. Where it blues, give to me your right hand. That was Preaching Blues by Bill Abel. He's our music guest this morning on Next Stop Mississippi. Now, Bill, tell us a little bit about about Preaching Blues. Is that an original? Uh, That's a Robert Johnson song. Uh, I haven't recorded anything in a while, so a couple of nights ago in my little studio, I recorded that. Oh, wow. Wow. First heard here on Next Stop Mississippi. There you go. That's what I'm talking about, exclusive. Thank well, you. I hope it sounded okay. You know, sometimes when you record something, you think it sounds good, and then a few days later, you go, "Oh man!" That no, that sounded great. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Now, Bill, you, you, we're talking a lot this morning about your work as a musician. Again, we want to let folks know that you're going to be playing tonight at Blue Front Cafe in Bentonia. Uh, that's over in Yazoo County, a great venue. They're starting to do these Friday night shows, and, and they're not really hosting anyone but the best when it comes to Mississippi Blues. So uh, so glad to uh, to see you uh, performing there tonight. And But outside of, of your music, Bill, you're also a prolific uh, visual artist. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, that's correct. I uh, get beat up by nature. <laughs> what does that mean? Tell us more. That means you stand up in front of a, a mess of trees and and try to paint them, and and they tell you, no, you're not going to paint me today. Wow. But uh, yeah, I went. To, I was fortunate to have a wife that let me go back to school to study art, which was about 18 years ago, and uh, I was also fortunate to study with Sammy Britt at uh, Delta State painting uh, from life and so I studied that way of painting and uh, also I learned how to make ceramics so I've been doing that since school now I guess you know Do you find it as a uh, release and and something that you enjoy similar as you do performing music or is it something totally different? Uh, It has its similarities uh, one being it uh, makes your back hurt uh, <laughs> after a while, but uh, it's you know the they both can be frustrating and then also be reward, rewarding when something comes out. And uh, man, pottery's tough. You can uh, spend a lot of time on something and then it doesn't gets messed up in the kill and the 
firing, you know, so. Oh, yeah. that's a heartbreaker. Yeah, it's it's a heartbreaking art medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still fun, and uh, I'm blessed to be able to do what I want to do, you know. Don't make a lot of money, but my wife haven't, hasn't thrown me out yet. So. There you go. Good woman. <laughs> and Jessica, his wife, is a great woman. We corresponded yesterday a bit and appreciate um, all she uh, did to help us get your the your these special recordings for today's show. And um, now, Bill, uh, for tonight's show at Blue Front, uh, I know you're traveling up from Duncan uh, to be there in Bentonia. Is this a solo show? It is. I think uh, Jimmy is going to play some as well, and we'll probably both play some together. And that's uh, Jimmy Duck Holmes. He's the proprietor there at Blue Front Cafe, one of our uh, great still yeah. ongoing Mississippi juke joints. Uh, Bill, I think one of the last times I got the opportunity to see you play was at Po Monkeys. Um, you were there with a, a little trio, and uh, and that was some of that electric rock and blues, uh, driving blues that was uh, just a lot of fun to dance to and um, and a great time, as always, seeing you perform. Well, thank you. That had to be a while back, I guess. Yeah, if uh, longer than I'd like to admit, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, now, Bill, tell our listeners, um, you know, uh, where they can go to learn more about you, about your music, about your artwork, um, and just stay in touch with uh, Bill Abel. Uh, I have a website. It's called uh, BillAbelMusic.com. And then I have artwork on my Facebook site. It's a painting and pottery page on the Facebook there. Well, that's great. That's great. Now, we're going to um we're going to go out today with a tune of yours called Special Rider. So, tell us a little bit about this this song. Uh, that was actually recorded 2015 with a couple of friends of mine from Norway. Uh, I met them years ago. They were coming over here playing some shows and we ended up playing music together and recording some and they uh, or it's nice when musicians get you a gig somewhere. Uh, uh, it just works out well. And so uh, I've been fortunate to play with them in other places. And uh, they're really good musicians. You know, anybody that's better than you and you, that you play with is always a good thing, you know. Well, and, and you really kind of made that a practice of your lifetime of really playing with a lot of the elders, playing yeah. with a lot of the really celebrated musicians. And yeah. um, uh, what a journey. I saw a picture of him performing with Honey Boy Edwards at the uh, Juke Joint Festival in '09. So I'm sure you shared the stage with a lot of greats. And they're all nice people, you know, like super nice. Uh, Honey Boy Edwards, the first time I met him, uh, I was getting him to sign my guitar. He asked me, could I play any of his songs? And uh, I said, a few. And uh, he said, well, come on, you're playing this show with me. Ah, <laughs> That's incredible. Man. Well, Bill Abel, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon because there's a lot more to share. We thank you for joining us tonight and encourage everyone to get out to Blue Front Cafe uh, to hear you uh, perform at... Uh, that great juke joint. And we want to thank you, our listeners, for traveling with us today and thank all of our guests for joining us this morning. We had the wonderful ladies from Smith & Lens talking about Dolly Should, Megan Franks with the Startville Day of Service, Mitch Robinson with the 11th Annual Winnered Bird Count, and blues musician Bill Abel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.